Okay, today's episode is something a little different, and I guess it's kind of a bike review. I'll start by saying that I'm far from being an experienced bike reviewer. So if you want a super detailed, amazing review, then pick the experienced professional who you like the most and feel aligns with your thoughts and feelings on what makes a good bike. Since starting the podcast, I've had the opportunity to ride more bikes than I ever had before and to try more products. So I'm learning a lot quickly. I've also got a background of 18 years as an engineer in product development. So testing, albeit not in a bike context, is something I'm really familiar with. I have a pretty good understanding of how things work and I genuinely enjoy riding bikes and puzzling over what they are and aren't doing. Over the last few years, especially, I've played around a lot more with setup and ridden with a focus on improving how any particular bike rides and getting it perfect for me. I'll also point out that I'm far from an amazing rider. So if you want products pushed to the absolute limit of what they're capable of and maybe beyond, then I'm not your man. If you like someone who's maybe a bit more like the regular rider, who loves what he's doing, has a passionate interest in how it all works and wants to optimize things, then maybe what I have to say is pretty relevant to you. Anyhow, I'll let you decide how you feel about that one. Late last year, I caught up with Nico and he told me about his plans for 2022 to design, build and race his own bike. I was super excited to hear what he was up to and straight away knew that a lot of the downtime audience would be too. When Nico asked me if I'd like to come over to the US for the Windrock round of the Nationals and to spend a few days riding his new bike, it was an offer too good to turn down. At this point, I should say a massive thanks to Nico and the entire Malali family, including his brothers, parents and grandparents. I was looked after so well by the entire Malali crew and made to feel so welcome that it made the trip even more special for me. So thanks to all of you. And if any of you ever need somewhere to stay in Leeds, then the door is always open. Nico was also kind enough to hook me up with some Fox gear to ride in while I was there. So a big thank you to Nico and Fox for that too. So in mid-March, I hopped on a pretty empty plane and flew out to meet Nico and the team in Knoxville, a few days ahead of the first round of the, of the Nationals at Windrock. I'm guessing that you've seen what went on, but basically it went from a pretty lovely 20 degrees C practice day to minus 11 degrees C and an overnight wind and snowstorm that completely trashed the pits and caused thousands of dollars of damage to pro and privateer setups alike. It was incredible to see the immediate response from Nico and Aaron Gwynn as they went straight to how they could help out the privateers and make the most of the weekend. They set up a jersey raffle of loads of the top pros jerseys, which I think you can still enter over at aaronguinn.com if you want to help out. Then they hired a function room at a local bar for everyone to come along and watch the Supercross together on the big screen. These guys really do care about the riding community and it was awesome to see and feel that in person. The snow kind of wrote off the chance to ride the bike at Windrock as the racing got delayed and the tracks were pretty trashed. So on the Sunday, we drove down to Nico's place to hit his bike park, Rye Canuga, for some testing. We arrived late Sunday afternoon, so a quick e-bike ride to get familiar with the tracks was on the cards. Thankfully, Canuga has got a fleet of e-bikes to hire, so we both hopped on a specialised Canevo SL and off we went. Now, this is the first time that I've ever ridden this bike and it's also the first time that I've ever followed a World Cup downhill or down a trail. Now, I know this was Nico's first ride back from breaking his finger, but this guy is not slow on any day of the week. Normally, I'd be pretty intimidated, but Nico is super chill and made me feel at ease as we worked our way into the park via one of the more flowy trails, and we then headed in some pretty big jumps. With the advice from Nico that they're all trail speed and easy, I hit them all and it felt incredible. Over a couple of hours in full turbo mode, we hit all the main trails in the park so that I knew what to expect the following day and also to help me home in on what trails I might want to ride his downhill bike on. 
The team at Canigua have done an awesome job of building really varied trails. Each one has its own style and feel to it, and they're all really well looked after by the trail crew there, so we're in great condition. Highly recommend it if you're ever in the area. My favourite trail was called GNCC, which is pretty flowing and has a bit of line choice, some mini whoops, a few rocks, some flat turns, some roots, and a good mixture of things to test me and the bike, but to still kind of be in an area and a trail where I'm pretty comfortable. To push the bike, body and the skills a bit more, paint it black and natural selection had a bit more gnarly terrain and some more big compressions to throw at you. Now, I feel imposter syndrome a lot in this job, I'll be honest, and I get some amazing opportunities to talk to the world's best riders who are basically also my heroes and heroines. So I often feel pretty out of place. But the following day at Canoga was probably the strongest sense of imposter syndrome that I have ever felt picture the scene we are set up out of nico's van his high pivot prototype bike is in the stand and nico's working on setting it up for me we've got a table with all the parts tools refreshments and kit we've got a couple of chairs in our makeshift pits for the day and canuga is a ride-up park so there isn't an uplift uh, but we had this like canem defender cyberside buggy thing to get to the top of the hill and to add to things, Cannondale were there for their team testing camp so i'm getting shuttled to the top of the hill by a world cup downhiller on a prototype bike, sitting next to Ella Connolly, Carolyn and Mitch Roppolato in the uplift. Add in a touch of residual jet lag and you've got a pretty surreal day out. The first task was to get the bike set up right for me and Nico, to be fair, smashed it out of the park pretty much straight off. It just goes to show how good these riders are at getting their bikes set up to make sure they get the most out of them. We put in a minus 10 headset to shorten the reach a bit because I'm quite a bit shorter than Nico and we lowered the bars just a touch too. Put on some flat pedals because that's my preference is what I feel most comfortable on, especially on a bike that I don't know. And Nico made a few small suspension tweaks from the setup that his younger brother Colin had been using at Windrock that weekend because Colin and me are relatively similar weight. A quick car park test and we're off to the top of the trails for a warm up run down GNCC. I'm always pretty nervous on my first run on a new bike, especially when it's something that I know is super capable and quick. And this was no exception. I needn't have worried as this bike really did have my back like straight away i felt comfortable on the bike and i didn't feel like i was having to think at all about finding grip my body was naturally in the right place to ensure that the front and the rear of the bike were well balanced in the way that they connected with the ground this is super rare for me to feel on a first run and i guess it's a combination of the bike's geometry and nico's ability to hit the setup so well straight away the other thing i noticed on the first run was the power of those trp brakes bled to absolute perfection by Nico's mechanic Ancho and with those huge galfer rotors and pads I've never felt anything like it. The only tweet we made after the first run was to take a little bit of compression damping off the fork because it felt a little harsh for me and I think that probably comes from the fact that I'm not super strong and I struggle to hold on to a bike which has a little more compression damping even though that's what I really need to learn to do in order to have the fastest possible bike. Something to work on for sure. Nico told me to trust the bike and open it up. So we went back up the hill and had another go. From that second run, I started to really lean into the grip and push the bike in the turns. The ability it had to find grip however far I threw it over was impressive and the speed that it felt like it generated from the turns was pretty wild to be fair and unlike anything I felt before. I suspect that the non-high pivot version of the bike might be even better at this um, and that part of the reason that I felt that speed generation so significantly is that Nico has maybe set the bike up with a bit more mid-stroke support than I would normally run, giving me more to push off in a turn. I'm just speculating there, but it makes sense in my head at least. So 
does the high pivot make a difference? Well, this was the first high pivot bike that I'd ridden at the time. And I'd say that the rear end definitely felt more muted through rough terrain, which makes sense as the wheel is moving backwards as well as up to get out of the way of obstacles. This made the bike feel more forgiving and kind of plush, I guess. Nothing we rode was like super rocky and square edge, so I don't think I've experienced it in its optimum terrain. I've subsequently spent a bit of time on a forbidden dreadnought, and that also shares that muted feeling at the rear when things get rough. And again, it's a high pivot bike. Once I got comfortable on the bike, it was time to move to some more challenging terrain. So I moved over to Paint It Black and the short downhill track that Nico and Luca used for a bit of training. These trails had a lot more gradient than GNCC. They're also rougher and with bigger compressions. The first thing I noticed was that my feet were getting bounced a bit on the flat pedals. So we slowed down the rebound a touch just to try and remedy that as it was pretty open and pretty fast. I was really impressed with what the bike was capable of. It was uh, a bit of a constant battle for me really to let go of the brakes and let the bike do its thing because I was aware of just how fast we were going and the consequences of crashing at that speed in that terrain with a flight home the following day. I honestly don't think I've ever ridden anything that gnarly that fast before though. The brakes meant the braking was almost effortless and certainly not a drain on my energy. So I was able to put more focus and intent into getting down the hill as quickly as possible. As I got more and more comfortable on the bike and the trails, the speed was growing, but I could also feel the fatigue starting to set in. There were a few big compressions on the track and each run I was getting deeper and deeper into the bike, hitting them harder. And I could feel that at some point I wasn't going to be able to support my own body weight fully and something was going to go wrong. So with a flight back to the family the following day, I decided to call it a day. So what happens when you put a regular punter onto a World Cup downhiller's custom-built bike? Well, as it happens, if you've got someone who knows what tweaks to make to the bike setup, then a World Cup race bike can be a really good downhill bike, even at my level. Nothing felt overly stiff, and the combination of the aluminium chassis with the carbon reserve wheels felt really good to me. It tracked really well, the bike was super balanced, and at no point did I ever feel like I was having to move my body weight around on the bike to search for grip at either end of the bike. It just worked. Corner traction was insane, thanks to some Maxxis DHRs front and rear and some well-set-up Fox suspension. Brakes were so good that they became almost forgotten about, as there were zero issues and all the power and modulation you needed was right there on tap. I think Anjo's skill in bleeding them and keeping them clean has a lot to do with that. It's a pretty long bike, but it never really felt that way on the trail. I mean, there aren't any like super tight endo turns at Canuga, thankfully, but there are some pretty tight spots in places and it never felt a struggle to maneuver. The trade-off being that that length helps it feel super stable when the pace picks up and it definitely does. The mullet setup is something that I'm used to and I like. I'm only around five foot seven-ish. Um, so having that smaller back wheel is definitely not a downside for me, especially on a long travel bike. And it gives me just a bit more space to, to move on the bike itself. The high pivot certainly has some benefits in how it deals with rough terrain. I can't compare the non-high pivot version as I didn't get a chance to ride it, but there are obviously positives and negatives as with any setup decision. I'm sure you'll have heard Nico's thoughts on this in his in-depth videos over on his YouTube channel, but if not, I recommend you check it out. I've never felt so confident and comfortable on a bike so quickly, and that says a lot about the design and the setup. I was very quickly working out how I could justify owning a downhill bike and how I'd go about making sure it was a frameworks. It turned out to be an awesome day's riding and an experience that I will never forget. So thanks to Nico, the Mullally family and the crew at Ride Kaniga for making it possible. Also, thanks to Ella, Kara and Mitch for making me feel welcome when I crashed their uplist for the day. I'll post some video clips of me riding the bike over on my YouTube channel. If you want to hop on board with my experience on the bike, please don't expect anything too impressive, but it felt fast to me at least. 
Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed something short and a little bit different to the norm. Let me know your thoughts by commenting on the post over on Instagram or Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. Hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you want to support what I'm doing, you can get t-shirts and sweatshirts over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop and copies of our print project Downtime EP over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. Thanks for listening. And until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 